Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3. For the sake of not rushing anything, uh, we went all the way to verse 15, and I left verses 16 through 18 for this morning, and chapter 4 is a small chapter, so we kind of put everything together in that respect. So basically, the last time the message was titled, Getting Right with God, and today the message is titled, Multiple Levels. You know, as a new believer... I'm going to say as a new Christian, starting to read the, the prophetic works, right? The Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, as much as they were beautiful, I could be reading a chapter, going through some verses, and then got, I'm lost. I'm like, whoa, what's God talking about now, right? So, you know, God's, you know, He's the mind of God, and we have to kind of, it's a learning curve, catching up to Him, but He sees things on multiple levels at the same time. He sees things in the future, the past, the present, you know, we, our minds sort of operate in linear time, so it's a little bit of, a, like I said, a learning curve to understand what God is saying, right, through His especially prophetic works. So multiple levels, and I try to slow it down, so for those that are maybe new with reading the Scripture, uh, I can help you to catch up to what He's saying, right? In one verse, He could be talking about the first coming of the Messiah, and in the next verse, he switches to a period that's separated by 2,000 years. And you look at it and you go, wow, he lost me. So multiple levels, uh, seemingly paradoxes, but they're really not. You know, we cover judgment, but we also cover mercy. We cover the first and second comings. And unequivocally, when you read the scripture, right, the ancient rabbis struggled with this whole Mashiach concept because it just seemed like they couldn't kind of filter out the different time periods, but unequivocally, when you, from our perspective, I'm no genius, I'm just looking back, is that since the Messiah came, we can see the difference between the first and the second comings, right? Um, so there's a lot to that, and a lot we're going to cover, macro, micro, what is God saying, what are his complaints, but how is he also looking at it on a macro level, the big picture, because our God is a God of big picture, right? So he, he kind of points out some of the sins that the people were committing, but he also was trying to speak to them on a, on a greater, more expanded level. So, you know, if you have any questions, definitely talk to me uh, after service. Send me an email. It is fascinating. I've walked some people through the prophetic uh, word. Um, but again, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to. And we're going to look at this in four parts. Four parts. So jumping in, Malachi 3, starting with verse 16. It said, now... Again, there's context here, right? God is sharing the things, how religion or the spiritual system was being dishonored, how the people were misrepresenting him, all right? And then he goes to verse 16. He says, Then those who feared or who respected the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord. And who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On that day, which is a future day, I will make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. 
then you shall discern, you again shall discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. So one out of four is the remnant is cherished. What's the remnant? We're going to look at groupings. We're going to look at all the different types of... In addition to macro, micro, uh, judgment, mercy, first coming, second coming, we're going to look at God speaking to various groups of people. Right? To some who were faithful, He would speak to them a certain way. To some who were going the wrong way, He was trying to lovingly warn them. So there's a lot of different things going on here. But the remnant is cherished. The remnant, whether you're looking Old Testament, New Testament, some things are contiguous through both Old Covenant, New Covenant, right? Um, the remnant is the group of people in any society, in any culture, that they see what's going on in society. They see what's going on, but they're not pushed and pressured to go along with what the culture is going along with. I feel bad for the younger generation because, like I said, I grew up, you know, parents sent you outside and go play, you know, go find some friends. Um, Today, with the advent of the internet and social media, there is a lot of pressure for everybody to put up a certain meme, for everybody to think a certain way. But the remnant is the people, and it's always a minority. Minority is good. It's the minority of people who say, you know what, I'm not going to go in that direction. I want to honor the Lord. I'm just going to get this out of the way. I'm not a football person, so shake your head yes if I'm going in the right direction. Shake your head no if I'm going in the wrong direction. But, you know, I look at some of these interviews with these players, and it's not just players. Some of the CEOs and coaches and staffers, there's a lot of people that go into making the NFL, and I'm amazed at how many Christians are in this organization as opposed to maybe some other type of sports, and it's really heartwarming. I know that the focus today is going to be on a certain pop star and a certain player. Um, That's what it all is. But that's a distraction. It's a diversion. Because those people are more about the culture and not deviating from the culture. However, um, so I found out both quarterbacks are... So I don't even know who to root for anymore because, you know, there's people who are, you know, praising God on both sides. I've heard from Patrick Mahomes, not personally, I've heard, he called me up today, <laughs> Pastor Joe, you know, say this in your message, you got to be careful how you speak, but, so I, I watched him, right, give glory to the Lord on the, the Chiefs, yes, and then on the other side is Brock Purdy, who uh, also beautiful interview, and the interview is trying to talk about football, football, and he keeps talking about Jesus. You know, he's saying, yeah, football, it's what I do for a living. And he goes, but, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. And it's funny to watch the, you know, the interview with him. And there's a few other people who are doing the same thing. So I see that remnant. And as I prayed this morning, whoever wins, I just, I just pray that in all the glitz and the glamour and the money and all the things that are happening, that they interview the players who give glory to Jesus Christ. Right? So for the average person who's looking at celebrityism, right, stardom, they got it in their eyes, um, that they also see a portion of this organization that the media tries to, div- no, we don't want to hear about Jesus, you know, stop saying that. <laughs> but that the people would hear those interviews and the glory given to the Lord. Because right? this stuff is fleeting. But the Lord is everlasting. Amen? Amen. So I'm excited to see how that happens. Um, honestly, I'm not watching the game. So, uh, so it says, then, the Lord, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. 
right? And they're, they're having a discussion. God is going through this discussion through the prophet. You know, there are people who are just not doing the right thing. But what you have is those people who trust in the Lord, they're discussing what's going on in the culture with themselves. And they're, they're encouraging one another. Now, let's look at some of the groupings, right? As we go through this book, God had certain things to say to the priests, right? That was one group. He had certain things to say to the sons of Levi. In general, uh, he had something to say to the wicked, of course, to the complainers, but also to the remnant. And that's important because when you're trying to study the Bible, again, you say, well, wow, what, what just happened? We have to look at the context of who the Lord is speaking to. Verse 16, the Lord listened and heard it. Now, those are two different things. We hear a lot of things because unlike eyelids, we don't have earlids. So even when we're sleeping, we hear things. But are we truly listening? Right? Is it something that's passive? Or is it something that we can pick out? Well, with the Lord, He did both. Now, the Lord doesn't have ears like we do, but He sees everything, He hears everything that's going on, but He also listens. And that's a beautiful thing. Sometimes people, as new believers, they pray and they say, well, you know, I don't hear God speaking through the ceiling. Um, how do I know God is hearing my prayers? How do I know He's listening? How do I know? When you start understanding these things, you're like, wow, you know, I know he's there. And sometimes we can sense his presence, even though it's not with the five senses, so to speak. So um, the, the big thing that, would, you know, that God was basically saying to them is, listen, one day justice is going to be meted out. We're going to see that justice. It's, it's not today. It's actually with the Lord's second coming. Uh, and I will say this as well. And sometimes I have to watch the news, which is depressing. Because I need to know what's going on in the world. It's part of what I do, right? What's going on in the world? However, you get frustrated when powerful people seem to get away with everything. It's very frustrating, right? We all know somebody who made a mistake and was rushed through the court system. And, you know, but if it was somebody who was very powerful and very influential, or their kids or their relatives, it's a very frustrating thing to watch. Um, as good as our judicial system is. But one day, the Lord will not allow PR people and attorneys to manipulate the system, juries and, and stuff like that. The Lord is going to say, this is what it is. It's, it's either the righteous or the wicked. Um, remember, he remembered Job. Job was a righteous man, and all these afflictions took place. Uh, but, the, but God remembered Job. He actually spoke to him later, after his three friends did a terrible job of explaining what was going on, so God had to intervene, and you know he remembered Job, and he showed favor on Job, although he went through a difficult time. So I wonder, when Job was praying, I wonder if he ever said to himself, I, I wonder if what's, what's going on, is God listening? But God did, and he actually spoke to him at the end. Uh, but it's a comforting thing to know that the Lord listens and honors those that follow him. So I can give you all the theological speak, but what I love to do is boil it down to the application, which we're going to get to. Uh, he speaks about a book of remembrance, right? So a lot of things happening. He's listening, he heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before the Lord for those who fear, who respect the Lord, and who meditate on his name. So this book of remembrance, now listen, different Bible teachers have different opinions. Is this something that God kept? Is it something that the people kept, right? Because we know as we go through the scripture, we've seen both. 
We've seen God write the book of life. Revelation 20, it gets opened up. And everything about us is in that book of life. However, if we're covered under Christ, if we trusted Christ as the Lord and Savior, then we're good. The judgment that we were supposed to take for sin, Christ took it on the cross. So that's a wonderful thing. There's also books that people write. There are different milestones that God's people had set up to remember the Lord and remember certain events that the Lord delivered His people. So it's, it's kind of a, a something, it's always good to have a, a good memory of things that are important in life. I will tell you that, you know, when I was a brand new Christian, I, you know, 28 years ago, something like that, um, I bought my first Bible, it was a study Bible, and <clears throat> I went through a very, very difficult time. And I had some physical issues and some things that were unexplainable. And I had severe panic and anxiety attacks. And I just, I look back now, I mean, the Lord delivered me from it, but it went on for years. And I I look in my Bible and it says, I have the dates. I would wake up at two in the morning, not want to wake up my son or my wife and go into the kitchen, just read the Psalms. And I would journal, I would write the date and what was going on. And to read it now, it's like, whoa, I remember those days. But you know what? The Lord was always with me. And coming out of it and being delivered from it, I I still understand even through that dark time that he was still working on me. I was a work in progress. So I would not want to go through it again, but I know that the Lord had his hand on me. You know, there was a lot of parts of me that God had to work through uh, to get me to a place where I could be doing this for my calling, right? But God never forgets. I never forget, f- felt forgotten. Uh, even in those dark times, I knew He was still there. One of the worst feelings, right, that we can experience is when we feel forgotten. Uh, you think about somebody you thought was your best friend or, or somebody that you counted on, and they don't follow through. Uh, that's a horrible feeling. You feel abandoned. You feel alone. But you know what? God never forgets us, and He never forgets our faithfulness towards him staying the course when many around us are forsaking him and again it doesn't mean that we're perfect because we're not do we have lapses of faith listen you're going to get reality you're going to get real genuine from this pulpit whether it's me or the other pastors or a guest speaker we're going to tell you we're not going to lie to you and pretend that because we're up here everything's wonderful all the time that's not reality in anybody's life right we do have those ups and downs in life But I am also here to tell you to be encouraged to stay the course, right? One day we'll look back and we'll be like, wow, you know, God definitely was in it. I just can't see it from where I am right now. So I want to encourage you with that. Verse 17 through 18, again, he talks about this uh, day of reckoning that's coming in the future when the Lord returns a second time. No more of this muddy, messy conflating of the righteous and the wicked you know, you can't follow some of this stuff, right? You, you know, I was just was, I put something up on my, on actually the church Facebook wall about uh, some of these uh, pastors and worship leaders that fell from, you know, from their positions. They did awful things. And, um, you know, there's a whole understanding of how this stuff kind of happens. So, like, even when we look at, well, I used to follow that ministry and, you know, I'm going through a hard time because I really respected that person and look what he did. Or look what she did, right? So, you know, it's very hard to, you know, we want a a tangible person that we can touch, right? 
We can't necessarily sense God with our five physical senses, but He's the one that we always have to be relying on because people will let us down. In the end, you know, God never lets us down. We know that. So, um, you know, verse 18b, and we look at the end of this before we get to chapter 4. He says, Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not. Understand this. The people at the time were, they were going to Jerusalem, they were going to, you know, where the priests were and the Levites were, and there was just a lot of hypocrisy. There was a lot of bad things happening in, in religion. And God probably was more upset about this than anyone else because they were a poor representation of him. So God is trying to encourage the people that, you know, I, I work with sinners and I try to get them to see the error of their ways. But one day, the really stubborn, the ones who really continue in evil and don't change, they're going to be judged. So he speaks about this day uh, where the wheat and the tares will be separated, the sheep and the goats will be separated. But I want to encourage you this morning that sometimes people get caught up in whataboutism. In other words, you know, what about that clergy person that I just read about who did this? What about that hypocrite who's in the church? There's, there's hypocrites in church. Have I been a hypocrite at times? Absolutely. We try not to, but we're not perfect. What about, what about, what about? And what you forget about is that you need salvation right we can't what about ourselves all the way up to good god he's like you know he's like well did you follow me no because what about it isn't going to work right it's just take my advice there's <laughs> just some things that just trust christ as your lord and savior you know john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life all the people that i knew i used to run with a rough crowd trust me all the people who said if i step foot in that church it's going to go on fire oh my goodness if i had a dollar for every person who said that but not once we actually have a good fire suppression system uh, <laughs> But listen, worry about the, the fire and judgment, you know. But not once has anybody who swore to me that the church was going to burst in flames. It's never happened in the 20-something years I've been a pastor. So I just want to get that out of the way. So if you have a friend who says that, tell them what I said, and maybe they'll chuckle and come and show up with you. But um, much of what God was saying through Malachi really was answering what? Let's talk about context. In verse 14... Some of the complainers, right, the whataboutism people were saying, you know, what's the sense in, in serving God? Look at that person, you know, look at the other person. They seem to get away with everything, and the people are confused about who's righteous and who's not. So God answers that in this portion of Scripture. You know what's amazing about the Bible? This was written some 2,400 plus years ago. What's amazing about the Bible is it's relevant for today. A lot of ancient books aren't. A lot of old poetic books, even from the first few centuries A.D., are not even relevant. There's nothing you can do with it. But the Bible is the living word. So no matter when this is written, you can take something and apply it to what we're dealing with today. Right? Uh, let me go back to verse 17 where he says, and then we'll move on to the next chapter. On that day I will make them my jewels. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So what God is saying is that, you know, I'm never going to forget you. And in the end, when everything is reckoned, trust me, right will be right, wrong will be wrong. And those who have trusted in him 
will be saved. You know, it's an amazing thing about Abraham when you read Romans 4. Right? Romans 4, even before Christ, Abraham trusted in God and it was righteousness was imputed to him. It's an accounting term, right? It, the imputation of righteousness was put in Abraham's account. He trusted God for everything. He also trusted God for the coming Messiah, Yeshua. So um, faith, to trust God to believe. He says, they will be mine. I will make them my jewels and folks. There might be some people here this morning that don't necessarily feel like jewels. Back then, jewels were one of the most priceless, beautiful things. You ever see like an emerald or some of these sapphires? Gorgeous stones. And you put it up to the light and they're prismatic. Just incredibly beautiful jewels. And, you know, this morning some of you might say, I really don't feel like a I don't feel like anything. I feel like a throwaway. I feel like... Listen, if you feel that way walking into this building, this message is for you. And there could be 10 of you, there could be 20 of you, there could be more. So you don't walk into a church and hear something and and the encouragement that comes from God's Word and say, you know, I'm struggling with that this week and not realize that that's supernatural. I didn't know who was going to come today. No idea. But God knew. And He knew what portion of Scripture we would be in. So... Continuing on, this was a community, right? This is a picture of community of believers before there was a church. Believers coming together, worshiping, and solving problems, right? See, the, the church is actually not supposed to be a gathering of spectators. We, we look at sports events and pop events, and, you know, and, and this is America. We go through and we, we see one exciting event to another exciting event, but a church is supposed to be a place where we, we solve problems, we work together. I love the, you know, when food for the soul, right? We have our food delivery and our clothing and 1,500 people in one year, we, we, you know, we help through food and clothing and it's all for free. And I just get to see on Fridays the team of people that are downstairs and there's over a dozen servants all coming together. People look different, they speak different languages, whatever. They're all coming together to serve the community and that's how it's done right. And here we're seeing God's people who maybe they're a little upset about what's going on around them, the hypocrisy in the religious system. But you know what they say? I'm not going to do the whataboutism. I'm going to do whataboutism to myself. You know, how can I make a change? So what God does is he honors them through his word and says, you know what? You might be going through something. You might see things that are disturbing you. But in the end, trust me, I didn't forget the evil that they did but I also didn't forget the faithfulness that you did. So that's, that, that would be my thing, right? You know, we often talk about it in our Monday morning staff meetings. What's going on in the world? What's going on in the country? What's going on in the declension of the culture? Um, you know, and, and it's nice to pray together and work through these things when people call us and they have questions. You know, it's really, really a neat thing. So... I have to say that, you know, we're, I tell you what, when we get into First and Second Thessalonians, man, there's just so much about what's going on today in 2024. It's powerful. And I'm, I'm, people are sending me sermons from like famous pastors on the West Coast, and I'm like, wow. They're like, did you listen to that guy before you did your sermon? I'm like, no, I don't steal sermons from, I don't care how popular they are. I do my own work. But we're all, we're all saying the same thing. There's pulpits in, uh, in Europe, there's pulpits in Africa, there's pulpits in Asia. 
There's pulpits on the East Coast and the West Coast, and we're all saying something interesting is happening in today's times. We really have to get serious about what we believe because all this stuff is prophesied in Scripture. So, neat stuff. First, uh, chapter 4, starting with verse 1, he said, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. So here it's, it seems like the, the mood is changing, right? The mood is changing. And we'll talk about that. The day is coming, burning like an oven. All the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch, but to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall tramp... Remember, this is an agrarian farming culture, so this is something everybody could... So in America, we're like, what? I don't think I've ever seen a fat, uh, grass-fed calf, although I see it on my milk carton, you know, but... It says, you know, only organic stuff. Okay. Verse 3, it says, You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On that, on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. So two out of four is the great day of the Lord. Right? And this is an interesting mood because, um, you know, God is, is, again, switching back and forth from Again, the righteous. I have something to say to you. And again, how are we righteous? Pastor Joe, I'm in this church and I'm not feeling righteous. I'm not feeling... Listen, Jesus is righteous, right? He died for our sins. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Him. And that, that perfection, that sinlessness is imputed to you. So that when you stand before the Father, you're clean. Trust me on this one. This is, this is good stuff, right? Out of all the philosophies about how to get to heaven, some of them are bizarre. Uh, but this one makes perfect sense. It's legal. It's logical. There's so many things to it. Uh, somebody has to pay for unrighteousness, and that was Christ. So he had to be fully God and fully man. Otherwise, we would be able to hang on a cross and pay for our loved ones, but it doesn't work like that. Had to be come in the line of Adam, be fully God and fully man. Really, really great stuff. Uh, what a blessing. You know, I, I um, officiated, there was a, an elderly woman in our church, um, and she, you know, I, was, I did the viewing Thursday and the, and the uh, funeral Friday, and, and, you know, it's always a mixture at these eulogies and stuff. Some people sort of believe, some people don't believe. But when I was done and I just shared, this, this was a great lady that you had in your midst. To the world, 90-year-old woman, to the world, right, the scintillating, exciting world, they might have just passed her by. But she was a, an incredible woman of faith. And after we were done with the eulogy, everybody came up to me and like, you know, that was really encouraging. I got to share my, you know. So what does the world see as greatness? You know, fill in the blanks. What does God see as greatness? Even Jesus told his followers, you need to become like servants. You want to be great in the Lord's eyes? Become a servant. Yeah, but in the world, it's climb the ladder of success, step on your friend's fingers as you're getting up the ladder. That's not the way God does it. So I just, listen, at the end, I want to get into his place. You know what I'm saying? And he's provided that way. Uh, two, continuation of the blessings that come from trusting in the Lord. This is important. The son, S-U-N, of righteous or of righteousness. One of the many names of Christ pre and post Incarnation. 
So his names are often based on a side of his character, and that's important because in Psalm 91 it says to take refuge in the shadow of or under the protection of the Lord's wings. So does this mean God is a giant bird? Of course it doesn't. Uh, these are metaphors, and the metaphors, you, we would see a lot of metaphors of, of, of animals and of things, you know, the sun and stuff, because the people back then uh, could relate to those things, right? So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, actually, was it two Sundays ago? I was, where I lived, it was eight days of cloud, and I was up here at the pulpit. You know, God wants to hear little little prayers and big prayers, but I remember praying before service and saying, Lord, I haven't seen the sun for eight days. And some, I heard some of you laughing while I was praying, but, you know, it meant a lot to me. And all of a sudden, right, then that week, last week, it was, it was like, the sun, oh, I missed the sun. So when God is speaking about the sun of righteousness, he's not saying that Jesus is uh, you know, a star. He's not saying he has wings, but he's giving us metaphors for us to understand a new day, right? That's what the sun brings. A new day as we understand it. The sun brings warmth. The sun brings light. And this metaphor helped us to understand that. Amen? Four through six, last few verses, it says, remember the law of Moses. Now remember, this is pre-incarnation. This is four to five hundred years, four and change, uh, before Christ came. It says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, that's not the first coming because that wasn't great and dreadful. That was wonderful. That was, right? So the two comings here that he speaks about. Verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. Now, when we end today, it's going to end on a high note. It's all good news. So uh, three out of four is Elijah and John. Who are we talking about? Now, this can cause some confusion with some, and it takes a little bit of unpacking to understand it. Verse 4 was the standard prior to the New Testament. Do you realize that, you realize that the New Testament is embedded in the Old Testament? A lot of people don't know that. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, right? This is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Old Testament prophet says there's a new covenant coming. There's a New Testament coming. Right? where the law will be written on our hearts. You won't have to say to your neighbor, know, know the law. It'll just be something that we enjoy harboring in, within ourselves. So back in those days, they had the Ten Commandments. Right? They were stored. They were repeated. You know, The Levites and the priests would reiterate if they were doing their job right. This is the Word of God. And people would be told to remember it and meditate on it. The Ten Commandments, this is important. In the age of Christ, is it still wrong to kill? Sure. Is it still wrong to steal, to gossip? Of course it is. However, in the new covenant with Christ, the advent of Christ, and the advent of sealing us with God's Holy Spirit, um, we know without having to read it that killing and stealing and gossiping and coveting is wrong. We just know it intuitively, spiritually. Right? So it's a, it's a fascinating thing. So remember, we're in the Old Covenant. Remember the law of Moses. Here's the other issue, is that because of the wickedness of the culture, save the remnant, it was going to be some 400 years. The United States isn't even 400 years old. 
And it seems like we read about history books like, yeah, it's a different world, the clothing they wore, and look at, you know, it's so ancient. So 400 years from this point, Christ was coming, right? So there were generations of people that were going to live and die with, not, with no prophets, prophetic silence, until who? John the Baptist, who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. So again, it takes a little bit to, to kind of follow this and get it, uh, but you know, remember the law of Moses was a way of God saying to the people, it's going to be some four centuries before you see another prophet, so hold this, memorize it, meditate on it. And also, um, the law of Moses, there was a lot of prophetic things about the Messiah in it. So you should know it because when the Messiah comes, you need to be able to recognize him. That's why when Jesus walked the earth, people just dropped their, they stopped what they were doing, even their, uh, their professions, and they just followed him because they knew what the scripture said about even the time period of the coming Messiah. The first coming can't happen again. And people believe David Koresh and some rabbis and you know, all these different things. Um, he can't be in this time period because the Bible tells us specifically to the day that the Messiah would come. Powerful stuff here, right? Uh, verse 5 through 6. Again, going back bef- in, b- between the two Advents, let me read to you Luke 1, 16 through 17. Now remember, this is the New Testament, so we're fast-forwarding 400 plus years. And Zacharias, the Lord is speaking to Zacharias, about the child that he's going to have who's going to be John the Baptist. And Zacharias doesn't fully understand what's going on, right? As people didn't when God moved through their lives. So, you know, God is good about explaining these things. It says, and speaking about his son, and his wife was up there in years, so it was a miracle in itself that she was pregnant. It says, and he, John, will, when he grows up, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, meaning the Messiah, in the spirit and power of who? Elijah, powerful Old Testament prophet, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and which is, comes really right out of Malachi, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, John the Baptist. Now, this is interesting. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah, who was a prophet who lived in the Old Testament times. Uh, But we also see throughout Jesus' ministry, almost towards the the end of his ministry, that the transfiguration, Jesus' deity, shines through his skin. It it just bursts through. uh, And James, John, and Peter are there. But also Moses and Elijah are there in the spirit. And they recognize them. Right? So you see a lot of this, Moses and Elijah, Moses and Elijah. As a matter of fact, when we get to Revelation 11, we actually have Revelation, all the videos up on a YouTube channel. But when you get to Revelation 11, you see these two powerful prophets come back and do incredibly amazing things. And it does send out a picture of, hey, you, the culture is decadent. You guys got to change. The people have to change. They did miracles and stuff. So you see this theme that keeps happening. Now, John the Baptist was not the reincarnation of Elijah. John was John, right? Every soul is unique, and it doesn't change from person to person or time period. But John did come, right, out in the wilderness, not influenced socially, not pressured, eating a very simple diet, 
um, probably had really long scraggly hair and was a camel hair clothing and stuff. Um, he probably, when he came in the first century, really looked like one of the Old Testament prophets. So neat stuff. And, you know, what you see is John came before for the Christ, right? And also, um, Elijah will probably return again in Revelation 11 and come before the Christ's second coming. Everything God does has an order to it. Very powerful stuff. Verse 6, he will turn the hearts of the father to the children and vice versa. Um, these prophets sometimes put out a very strong message of repentance, which means change, turn. You're going in the wrong direction. Bridge is out. Don't keep driving. Right? God does a lot of different ways to try to get our attention. So repent, change. And when John the Baptist came out, and I talked a little bit about this last Sunday, he was powerful. And he didn't have a problem saying to the soldiers, you're doing wrong. He could, they could have killed him right there on the spot. To the religious leaders, you're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. You wonder why they arrested him, because he had no fear. But some of those soldiers and religious leaders actually realized they, they, they were convicted internally and became followers of Yeshua. Isn't that amazing? Right? I don't, listen, I've, I've done, you know, I've done funerals for... Uh, you know, government officials and high-ranking officials, and I don't look for it. People ask me. I do it. I, I'm not afraid. I don't care how many government officials are there, how high it goes, and, you know, somebody says, and they, they really don't. They just let me do it. <laughs> if they said, you can't speak about Jesus, I'd be like, well, you have to get somebody else then. Because what's the best time for people to see that they're going in the wrong direction when somebody passes? and to give the good news and hope of Jesus Christ. So, listen, all these powerful people, people at the World Economic Forum, there's some strange characters. There are billionaires who actually tell our politicians what to do. That's how the system has changed. This globalism has embedded itself in every country. We're going to talk about this more, I believe, in Second Thessalonians. But um, they still need to hear the gospel. And some of us, we read about how they try to control us and do all these things and take away our rights and sovereignty, but they also need to hear about the gospel. Amen? Everybody needs to hear about the gospel. And I'll tell you what, there's some high-ranking Roman officials in the first few centuries that became believers in Christ. Centurions. These guys had a hundred men under them. They were like the version of the modern-day general in the army. Powerful men. Came to Christ. Humble. So, listen, don't, don't short-sell yourself. You know, if you run into somebody who actually has some notoriety, don't be afraid. Be kind, be gracious, be loving, be genuine. But if the opportunity presents itself, share it. Well, but people say this to me. And again, I could take it as a compliment, but, but I, I, if I took it as a compliment and I absorbed it, God would go like this to me. You know, you're not supposed to do that. So I don't do it. You know, people are like, well, if you were there, Pastor Joe, I'm like, listen. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. You have the same ability that I have. You have the same word that I... So what I try to do is encourage people. Have I gone to events with people? Yes. But I want to encourage that person who doesn't think much of themselves. Wow, that's humility. That's a great start. And what does the Bible say? That the Holy Spirit will give you the words in those times. Amen? Powerful stuff. Don't listen. I'm only 16. I'm only 15. Doesn't matter. I'm only, I'm 89. I can't remember where I put my keys. 
Listen, I'm 56. I don't always remember where I put my keys. But in the realm of spirituality, God will use you. Do not sell yourself short. Please. So continuing on. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff here. You know, we, we have to... Listen. So the repentance came first. The repentance were that hard... Listen, I was one of those hard-hearted people. I needed to hear repentance. I needed to hear some strong words because I didn't come to Christ right away. I needed somebody to say to me, you know what? You don't know it all and you don't have all the answers and you're not going in the right direction. I needed that. And sometimes that's a precursor for Jesus to come and say, take my hand. I love you. I died for your sins. So the one is almost like, what does it say? John the Baptist, right? The mountains will be brought low. The valleys will be filled in. The, the people that went before the king and made sure there was nothing obstructing the roadway, these were his, his emissaries. So John did that. And then the king comes, right? Then Jesus comes and he shares the message of grace and love. I love it. Okay, um, I think I made the point with uh, John and Elijah. So Interestingly enough, the Old Testament, Malachi, ends with, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Do you know how Revelation ends? Revelation 22.3? The future, there's no more curse. Amen. God fixes, he's the great fixer, right? He could have wiped us out as, you know, a long time ago and said, all right, I'm going to start over again. Maybe these humans won't sin. He could have just kept clearing the board. But you know what he did? He sent his son to fix us. Right? To redeem us because he loves us that much. Honestly, I don't think I fully understand God's love as much as I will when I get to be in his presence. So it's, it's just this world we live in. It's crazy. So four out of four is learning from the past? Question mark. It's like the expression goes, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And human nature, does anything change? Murder is still murder. Theft is still theft. Powerful people over the common people. It's, still, it's been going on for thousands of years. Um, you know, there's parts of the world, sadly and horrifically, where slavery exists. Does anything change with the human race? No. It's depraved. And it needs a savior. So, 2,400 years later, have we learned anything as Americans in 2024? Hmm? I'll tell you this, that there's a reckoning coming. However... God is giving everyone a chance to repent before that happens. And they're covered, right? This, this escape or this protection. How many times have we seen it? Did we see it when we read it in, uh, in the Exodus? Protection. They were, they were protected from that last plague. That was a wonderful thing. And I'm sure there were some Egyptians who had become believers in, in uh, Yahweh who also did what the Jewish people said, and they were protected. I have no doubt in my mind about that. So protection in Exodus. Protection in Sodom and Gomorrah. God's like, if there's ten righteous, I will remove them before my judgment. He actually only he, he, he actually whittled down from ten to four. And they even, if you did a, a character study on them, they weren't really so righteous anyway, but they did believe so he protected them. He removed them. We look at the flood of Noah. Same thing. Same thing. Noah probably seemed like a crazy man, building a big boat. It never rained. And, you know, he's preaching and preaching and preaching. It was a hard-hearted culture. A lot like our culture is. Very hard-hearted. Um, and when we talk about the Harpazo or the rapture, same thing. 
You know, when the Lord returns in judgment, those who are under the blood, those who have received Christ as their Savior, you could do it today if you wanted to. You're covered. You're covered. Now, it, it doesn't mean we should, you know, as one of the brothers in the Lord in this church, he, he, he likes to joke around and says, he goes, I, I got Jesus, I got fire insurance. Get it? Fire insurance? It, it isn't, <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to we, we know our Creator. So it's not just, hey, here's the way to escape, you know, like the, the, you know, the exit signs, you know, if there's smoke in the building. Uh, but it's more of, it's to, to just receive His love to receive his sacrifice, and then develop a relationship with him, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I would just ask this. Um, I think that, so at the end, good news. Good news. I even went to the end of Revelation. Good news, right? A lot of Bibles I get, um, it says right on the front, the good news. It's the good news, the salvation. And my question to everyone here is, and there's hundreds of people we have, watch on the live stream, how bad do things have to get before we realize that this is the path we want to take, right? And again, just, it's just because it's front and center, the Super Bowl, whatever. There's some people who love football, what, you know, I don't care. I mean, I just never really got into it that much. Too many commercials, the plays are not that long, they stop it after a few seconds, I gotta watch another commercial. So I have too much ADD to, to just stay focused on that. And the halftime shows are ridiculous. So, okay, where was my point? Oh. <laughs> My point was, actually my wife, when we were dating, her ex-boyfriend um, was obsessed with football to the point where he ignored everything else. So she goes, are you obsessed with football? I'm like, I don't even watch football. She goes, oh, we're going to get along really well. <laughs> I hope I'm not causing any problems today. But listen, to each his own, to each his own. There's a point somewhere in this. The point is that, you know, even in what's going on with that, it's, it's game, it's innocuous, but what comes with it, and sadly, evil doesn't take a vacation. It always looks to find its way, a foot in the door. Sex trafficking, wherever the Super Bowl is held, and for those of you that know, that's a big business. It's disgusting. But it follows big events, because it finds powerful people who have the money to pay for, you know what? Um, so sex trafficking is big, in any Super Bowl, uh, alcohol and f- alcohol-fueled domestic violence incidents or fights in the parking lot, right? That, that follows the Super Bowl. Again, I'm not knocking it, but what I said in my prayers, well, that part I'm knocking, my prayers this morning, even people who gamble, who gamble away their children's, you know, food money, they don't, gambling is, is a real disease in this culture. It is, it's making people totally flat broke. And they have celebrities. I get so angry when I see these celebrities on TV with all the glitz and the glamour. Oh, yeah, now you can do it on your phone like a video game. And then you're broke. <laughs> then it takes years to get that money back into your account. Um, that's why I'm looking for somebody, whoever wins, to glorify Jesus, to take people out of the worldly game and to bring them towards the light because the Super Bowl will come and go for another year. And then what happens? Where's everybody left with the excitement? Jesus is eternal. Jesus goes everywhere we go. Jesus fills us with his, with his Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us hope. Amen? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m.
On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.